Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I so appreciate you uh, tuning in for the first ever exchange podcast. We are so excited about uh, being able to sit down with folks and ask them some amazing questions that may help you uh, on your journey towards whatever that is that you've set out there for yourself as an entrepreneur or a small business owner. And I even say professionals. I mean, the more and more I look at this, I see professionals in the same way that I see entrepreneurs. They're still trying to discover, learn, and achieve whatever those goals or wins they have set before them or the organization that they work for has set for them. So, uh, and it's all about that discovery, learning from one another, trying to provide wisdom to each other in order to move forward. And today uh, I've asked my friend who's just started this journey, but has been around uh, in the, uh, what we what we say, uh, in the collegiate area. Is that how we're connecting? Yeah. And so, uh, a bunch of experience there. She's added value to me and some of uh, my team and uh, just very bright and brilliant. And uh, has a very good-looking husband as well, if I may add there. And so, uh, Kendra, can you just introduce yourself and kind of tell people who you are? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, well, my name is Kendra Kala. Um, professionally, I have been working in higher education is what we like to call it. But yeah, the collegiate field um, for about 10 years, um, doing lots of different stuff there. I'm currently still doing that as well, helping students, um, working on the student affairs side of things. But I've done everything from... I'm working in residential housing, so there's lots of crazy stories there. Um, I did some student conduct, worked in that area for a while, um, and then um, most recently, student organizations, leadership development, and um, currently at OSU in the advising um, section of academic affairs. Yeah. So tell me, like, as a kid, like, what was that like for you as a kid? Did you one day say, you know what, I want to work for, uh, work in higher education? Like, what was that like for you? Uh, yeah. What were the things that you gravitated to as a young person? So absolutely not. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, and if you ask most higher ed people, they would probably tell you the exact same thing. Um, I actually wanted to be a veterinarian when I was really young. Like every good kid wants to be a veterinarian. Um, I was feeling pretty strong about that all the way up until heading to college. Um, and then I realized I don't have the financial means to continue to go to vet school. It's really, really, really expensive. Um, and that's okay. Um, I just had priorities in my life. And when I really thought about it, the time and money spent to do that, I just wasn't prepared to do that as a young 18, 19 year old. So instead I shifted um, and went to school to be a vet tech, which is like the equivalent of an RN in vet medicine. So I have that degree instead. Um, really enjoyed that. I like the process of just learning in general. Um, college was always something I knew I was going to do, not something I was made to do. I just really like to learn. Um, and then I just stuck around and a bachelor's and a master's degree was something I always had um, a vision for in my life that I knew I wanted to accomplish. Again, not so much for other people, but a, a goal for myself that, you know, that's something I wanted to accomplish to have a master's degree. So I did that. I'm proud to say it. I'm an OSU alum. So go Cowboys. Um, and I have a master's in ag leadership. So that's what my master's degree is in. So everything I've done um, in college is science-based. Yep. You, did you say ag leadership? Ag leadership, yeah. So yep. a lot of people who do that head into like extension education. And so things like if you're familiar with 4-H, um, FFA, um, county extension agents that come out might help. Um, that's, that's what my degree's in. Can you kind of share like, 
uh, why is it like so specific ag leadership? Is that just because you would go into education? Like why leadership, why not ag education or how does that break down? Yeah. So ag ed's a great degree. I just don't have any desire to be a formal teacher. Sitting inside the classroom is not something that I necessarily feel I have a talent to do. I like to educate and I like to inform, but like a eight to five sitting inside of the classroom teaching people stuff all the time just doesn't fit with my personality. So um, ag leadership, because I like the idea of helping others gain personal tools to um, help themselves. We can do a really great job of equipping people. And if we can equip others, they can raise themselves out of their own situations and then in turn have the responsibility to equip others. And I think that's really what the mission of ag leadership is, is educating the public. What can we do to be better? Um, And then it's your responsibility as a good citizen to turn around and help other people do the same. And that really um, inspired me and is what drew me into ag leadership specifically. That's awesome. Now, when you were in high school, did you do any ag or FFA or 4-H? I'm sorry. I You cut out there. I'm sorry. I said whenever you were in high school, did you do any 4-H or ag or anything like that? FFA? Yeah. I was an FFA in high okay. school. Um, I had, was FFA president. So, uh, you know, I got that. Pen. Yeah. So, um, I'm... That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> um. I'm originally from the southwest corner of Missouri. So between Springfield and Branson, I grew up in a tiny little town called Sparta. Um, My high school was super, super tiny. Um, Nine through 12 was 300 students max. Um, So FFA was a big part of just the school environment in general. So, yeah, I was definitely a part of that. Um, I didn't show cattle. I didn't do the animal thing. That wasn't how our um, FFA was set up. We were set up more for the leadership and – debate teams. I did a lot of ag debate. I did spontaneous uh, speech where we would go to a contest. They give us a topic. You'd have five minutes to prepare. Then you just had a talk. Um, we had spontaneous interview, which I enjoyed as well. That was a big thing we did. So again, show up, they would give you um, a job, a description of the job. You had to write a resume and then go into the person and try to convince them to hire you um, for that job you just learned about. So um, lots and lots of stuff is all about leadership and, and working with others. Yeah. Yeah, so whenever I, whenever I grew up, I really wasn't aware of what 4-H and 4-A, FFA, and all those things really provided. And so uh, it wasn't until I got older and I it was invited to go speak for 4-H, and then I started having some friends who were uh, FFA instru- ag instructors, and so I learned more about FFA. And so now I have my children in FFA. Yeah. I mean, when I meet the students who have been in FFA, like yourself or adults who've been in it, they're just always really sharp and well-spoken and things like that. And so hopefully I can convince my uh, <laughs> kids to stay uh, plugged in to FFA uh, because I, I just see great benefits. And then also I had the opportunity to coach a young lady who was at OSU in her freshman year. So she applied for nationals, mm-hmm. uh, national office. And so, uh, and so she had to have a coach, somebody to help her be able to speak and in, in her interviews and things like that. And so she ended up getting it. Actually, she ended up writing to help write a bill uh, under the uh, Trump administration and signed uh, the was there when uh, Trump signed the bill. And then he gave her 
the Sharpie, which was really cool. So, wow. Yeah. So FFA story. It's, you know, I personally really connect with the FFA, but there's lots of really great organizations in high school that do the exact same thing. FBLA, FCCLA, student um, council or student government, however your uh, school set up. But yeah, I encourage young students, try anything, try everything. Um, you don't have to like it the first time. You know, you can try something else. There's no commitment, but, you know, get out there, put yourself in uncomfortable situations and learn. Um, and even if you don't like it, that's still a learning lesson. Now, was that something that you just naturally gravitated towards or did your parents kind of help? What did that look like? Was there a guardian or somebody, a mentor or somebody who kind of pushed you in that direction? Uh, my parents were really super supportive. They let us try anything and everything we wanted to do. They never pushed us to do anything specific. They always just told us, if you're going to do something and you make a commitment, follow it through. Uh, try to do the best of your ability. Um, and then if you don't like it, that's okay, but you have to try. And so I really appreciate that. Um, it wasn't, you know, show up for one thing and then I hate it and give up. You know, if you make a commitment to somebody, you fall through. So even if I didn't like the activity or maybe I wasn't um, spending the time to enjoy it or put in the work and the effort it took, my parents would remind me, you made a commitment to somebody, you have to fall through. And if you don't like it at the end of the year, that's okay. But, you know, your word is it's gold. And if, if you can't be trusted to do what you say you're going to do, um, then you don't need to participate. So we were pretty lucky. And then my parents also told us that they would always support us. Um, and it's really funny. Like I didn't drive till I was 18. I didn't get a car. Um, and because my mom said you either get a job and work and buy a car or you're be involved in high school, do whatever you want and I'll drive you. And so I always thought it was lot more fun of a situation to participate and do activities than it was yeah. to get a job. So yeah, I was, I was involved in lots of stuff in high school. What, what, what do you, what would you say to like, if there's a high school student out there listening right now, or maybe a parent who has high school students, like what, what would be a couple of things you like? These two reasons are the reasons that I'm able to do X, Y, Z. Like, how did you see these things impacting you now? I, think one of it is that if I failed, I didn't get in trouble. Um, working in high school, specifically, I work with a lot of freshmen. Um, and there's so much expectation that their parents have for them that it becomes overwhelming and they have the fear of failing. Um, and it turns into lots of scary things and anxiety and self-pressure and, you know, then students act out in different ways because they can't handle the pressure. So I would say, you know, reassuring that your students that you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. And high school's the time you make safe mistakes before you become an adult and like real consequences come into play. Um, so I would say that my parents were really great about letting me make safe mistakes and learning from it and then helping me walk through those mistakes and saying that it's okay. You know, we have to learn. And I would say, oh gosh, what's another one? Um, probably be willing to be okay with being not okay. So, you know, that sense of impostorship, I think, s sneaks into everybody's lives, definitely mine to this day. You know, I'm not good enough. Nobody's going to like me. Um, and I just finally have to learn and be okay with, this is just the way that I made, and I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And no matter how hard I try, not everybody's going to like me, and that's just the way the world is made. But I can't let that stop me from being the person who I was meant to be and God made me to be. And so I think if students and high schoolers, I mean, it's a real awkward age anyways, but just learn to be okay with not being okay and getting in there and trying. That's good. And, and kind of going into that, uh, I'm thinking about uh, being okay with who you are. Uh, you're married, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to Mitch. 
And thinking about how relationships come about, oftentimes we have to begin to accept these people and somehow we fall in love with these people. Just tell me a little bit about Mitch, because I think marriage is a big part of who we are, regardless of the work and things we we do. Tell me a little bit about that love story. Let people know a little bit about Mitch. Oh, my gosh. My husband, Mitch. Um He's the complete opposite of me, which I think is a beautiful balance because if I married, you know, the same person, that wouldn't be very much fun. Um, He is everybody's friend. He's never met a stranger. When we were first married, I would have to remind him, like, the lady at the cash register doesn't care. Like, she has to say, how are you today? How are you doing? Like, it doesn't open the window to have a 20-minute conversation. Like, she's being polite. Um... But then, you know, I would observe and watch and be like, why, why am I telling him to say no? Like, and why am I trying to like stop him from doing that? Like, yeah. I should be more open to, to doing those sort of things. So, you know, he's rubbed off on me that way. Um, our love story, I don't know. I don't find it that like overwhelmingly romantic. We met in college. Um for the first two or three months, I'll be honest, I don't even remember him. He tells me that we met, but I, I don't remember. Um, we. What does he? What did he say that y'all met at? What did, like, um, what was... We had class together, actually, um, and like he was in the room. I kind of can remember that he was there, but I, you know, I had a job to do. I was going to school. I didn't need anybody. Focused. Yeah. You like, like was, I'm trying to focus. I got stuff to do. Like get out of my way. Um, and so, yeah, we met class. Um, we met in we met in a meat processing class, which might sound really odd to people. But when you are an ag major, a, a meat processing processing class is not uncommon. Lots of people take it. Um, so we met in there, and so I would say I started re- like realizing he was around probably around October, November of the first semester that we were in college together. And then he asked me out every day for six months. Like, and he wouldn't go away. <laughs> so every day for six months, he asked me out and I would tell him, no, thanks. No, thanks. And he would, you know, the next day he'd come up, ask again. I say, no, thanks. You know, and he told me, he's like, I'm not going to stop until you say yes. And so finally, just to make him go away, I said, yes. And we went to dinner. Um, and that was our first date. We had Mexican food and we've been together ever since. Wow, that's pretty cool. So when he was asking you out every day, was it like, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee? Hey, let's go to the movies? Or yeah. Was it just the same thing every time? Let's go get Mexican food. No, he would ask anything, everything. Like, hey, can I walk you to the next class? Hey, you want to go get coffee? Hey, you want to have lunch? Hey, you want to do our homework together? Like any excuse, every excuse. Um, and we also lived on campus in the same residence halls together um and so like he was around so when i yeah so when i say we were together every day since like legitimately we've been almost together or seen each other almost every day um since 2008 yeah 2008 so well mitch is a rock star so he's persistent that's for sure Yeah. yeah so um that's a big part of your life. Also, you you're working at in higher ed at uh, the Oklahoma State University, but then you also have some other passions. You love to add value to people. You love to talk about leadership. Can we talk about like the side hustle that you're pursuing and, and kind of what that looks like and and what does that entail? Yeah. So I had been working with groups and organizations before coming in and doing activities or workshops. Um, just in my free time. 
uh, ever since grad school. One of the programs that I worked with was 4-H. It was a group specifically with 4-H students whose children were international. So OSU has a large international population and a lot of them are married, have families. And so when they come over, they bring their children with them and their families. And one of the activities that the school provides to the ag department is a 4-H group for those children. And so that was one of the first groups I got connected with and I would teach and help them about once or twice a week. Um, And we had, I would say probably about 10 or 12 different languages that were spoken in the little group I was a part of. So English was the second language for everybody in the room. So I learned a lot. They learned a lot. We practice our English. Um, So that was probably the first place I started. And that just really reinforced this idea that I liked non-traditional teaching. Um, I liked being with people and seeing that moment when it clicked and they realized, oh, I can do this on my own. I learned something that's going to make my life better. And so from there, it was just something that I would continue to do off and on. Nothing super big, nothing that I thought I'd ever make a living on. And then I continued to work in higher education um, with student organizations and groups and leadership and that realm of student affairs. And then the pandemic hit. Um, Everybody's life kind of came to a stop suddenly. And so I really started thinking, because I had a lot of time sitting at home, um, what else could I be doing with my life in this thought of, you need to get back to doing this. This could be a valuable thing. And I had a real big issue for about six months. That whole imposter syndrome came into play. Why would people want to hear from me? You know, I had a very blessed life. I recognized the fact that I have a lot of privilege. I don't have a super big story. I haven't had a lot of struggles. What could I say that people would want to listen to? Why am I important? Um, You know, I'm just a white girl from the middle of America. You know, my parents are married for almost 47 years. Like it's been a pretty great life. I don't have a big overwhelming story. And those thoughts just kept coming in. Like, you're not good enough. You know, you can't do these things. And then finally, um, I just thought to myself, well, I won't know unless I try. What's the worst thing that can happen? I could fail. Okay. I could fail. And then I move on and I would rather live with a failure than live with never doing it. So I talked to my husband, he said, go for it. And so I decided this is going to be the time. We're going to give it a year, see how it goes. Um, Went part-time at my job. So that's a blessing as well. I'm not totally dependent on income from this. Um, And I think that's what makes it enjoyable and makes it a passion project is that I'm not trying to force it to be um, a way to be sustainable and to live. My needs are still met through my other job. So it really lets me be passionate about the activity and not trying to push it into a box to, to save my life, to live and to eat and stuff like that. So, um, I'm currently working with a lot of higher ed groups because that's sort of my realm right now, but I'm open to helping high schools, um, organizations, nonprofits, colleges. I think that's probably where most of my sphere is going to stay. And it's anything from, uh, conflict. I do a lot of conversations over team conflicts. I do conversations about group dynamics, understanding leaders versus managers, positive communication, emotional intelligence, those sort of things. What are some things that you are doing to, to, to gain clients or to continue to grow yourself and to, and to do the work that you are passionate about doing? So right, you have some routines in your life, some some right. I like to call them right things that you may be consistent in in order to do these things. Yeah. So, uh, have you ever taken uh, Strengths Quest? Like, do you know your your top five strengths? 
Yes. Uh huh. Okay. So one of my top five strengths is learner. And so I go figure, uh, have a lot of college education. It kind of fits, but, um, one of the things I do is that I research a lot. It again, sometimes it holds me back because I should just be jumping and doing things versus trying to make the perfect plan. But the learner inside of me says research it. So I've spent the last probably six months really focusing on what are the markets? Who wants these sort of things? Who else is in my field right now? How do I jump in? Who do I connect with? So I have one day a week that since I'm part-time that I dedicate to just that. So I'm working on um, getting my LLC put together. I've been reaching out to different individuals who can help me with graphic design and animation. I've grabbed social handles. So once a week, um, I'm using that achiever and learner part of me and researching and finding and then putting to-do lists together. So on my days off, I can try to tackle as many things to try to get this up and running. That's really good. Have, have, what? So one of the one of the challenges that uh, people often have is getting clients, right? So yes. are getting customers like we'll we'll have this passion about doing something. We know that we want to get out and help people in these very specific ways. But then it's like the big wall is really taking that step forward in order to obtain these clients or go out and get these customers. What are, what are some things that you're doing to get the word out about the services that you uh, are offering people? So currently, because I don't have all my um, website and social handles quite active yet, I'm not being able to tap into social media as much as I'd like, but I'm really tapping into that networking. I think networking is super important. Um, being in higher ed for the last 10 years, I've made a lot of uh, connections and I have a lot of friends. So one very common thing when higher ed is a lot of people will move from institution to institution about every three to four years. And so I would say at this point, I probably have fit friends in almost every 50 states. Um, um, and we all work in the student affairs side of things. So I've been reaching out to friends saying like, hey, I'm doing this. Um, they know who I am. They know what I believe in and what I do. So, you know, they can really vouch for me firsthand with, about who I am and, and what I do. So through those connections, I've been able to tap in and, and do about four or five presentations and groups so far. And then with the groups I'm working with, some things that I've heard during my research is really getting those referrals. Um, you know, part of the contracts are, if I do this with you and you like what I do, could you please write something kind or, you know, how I did and then give me one person that you might suggest I would do well with. And so I'm currently connecting that way, getting lists of people that they think might enjoy what I do based on who they are and the organizations that they work with. And I'm starting to make lists that way as well and then start reaching out to those people. That's good. No, I think that's really good. And that's super practical, right? Uh, let people know about what you are trying to do and who you want to serve. And then they can go out and spread because you just never know who they may know or who may come to them requesting uh, a particular service and be like, oh, Kendra, and yeah. I know she's great at doing it, you know. Uh, and so thank you so much for that. Because I think that's a very practical way for people to get out there and really begin to connect with other people yeah. around things they enjoy doing. So, yeah, and I know from personal experience, I used to hire 
people like me when I worked in student organizations because we would I would have a budget and I would have to hire X amount of people every year for our students to participate in growth activities. And so I would hate it when random people would cold call me and ask me to buy their services. I was like, I don't know you. I've never heard of you. I'm not going to spend that sort of money. I don't know who you are. And so, but if a friend would reach out to me at another institution and say like, hey, we had this event and this person was great. You would love them. I would be willing to, you know, reach out and contact those people because um, my friends know me and I can trust my yeah. friends. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I get out, I get the opportunity to go speak. And oftentimes when people reach out to me, it's either because they heard me at an event or their friend told, told them about me, told them about me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and then also social media has been great as well. I'm a big advocate for putting yourself out there, trying to do the best to kind of keep a good balance of work and who you are as a person. Because I think when people can relate to you as a person, they also then will be more likely to say, I want to bring this guy on. He seems likable. He, he, he has a family. He has some of the same struggles I do. Mm-hmm. And then also on top of that, he's teaching something that I feel like my team or my organization needs. And so yeah. uh, that's, that's really a, good. I got a piece of advice from somebody one time and I think it's probably the best advice I had going into this is that I need to find people that I want to work with. It's not just people who want to work with me. And so again, I understand I'm very blessed with that. This is a passion project that I'm not reliant on money to live on. And not every situation is that way, but you know, instead of me putting a thousand calls out and begging people to hire me, I really get the opportunity to reach out and be like, do we connect as people? Like, are you going to want me? Do I want you as a client? And so I've had some opportunities to do a, f- a few things. And, you know, I politely said no, but I know somebody who's better, who I think would work better with you and gave them, you know, contact information for somebody else. Because I knew at the end of the day, if they don't align with what I believe in as well, I can't do my best job for them. And, you know, they're not going to like what I have to say or what I what I believe in just based on those interactions. So, um, like I said before, not everybody's going to like you and that's okay. But really searching for people who I believe in as well is a big part of what I'm doing, too. Yeah. Now, I also know that uh, visual and uh, things like that, the marketing pieces, the the flyers and you do a great job with uh, slides and things like that because I've seen your presentation. I've seen how you work in that. But also your husband's a photographer. Like you're going to have the best social media <laughs> out there. You know, you're just going to have him follow you around and take pictures and video you, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, my husband works in education as well. That's another one of the things that we kind of connect on. But he works in the tech system. So Meridian Tech, uh, Francis Tuttle, if anybody's heard of that. But he works at a specific location over in Drumright, Oklahoma. It's called Central tech and he teaches um, animation photography graphic design and video over there so I got some I got some resources that I can connect with definitely um unfortunately he's an amazing photographer by the way yeah he's and, he, and he does style work as well so. yeah Michikala he's out there you can look him up yeah, uh, yeah plug in for him um yeah. but oddly enough I hate being on camera. I hate my picture being taken. So obviously I would marry a photographer who does that for a job. Um, but he's been very helpful. He's been willing to, you know, assist and, and he's super supportive. And when we're ready to do those things, which we're getting pretty close, um, he's going to do that. I was looking at some websites the other day and in his loving fashion, he saw what I was doing and he looked over and he closed my laptop and I just looked at him and he said, we're better than that. We're not doing that. 
um, in reference to using an automated system um, with a template website. And he's like, no, we're better than that. And he just closed, closed my laptop and he said, I'll handle it when we're ready. So <laughs> he's going to build it from the ground up. He's going to code it. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't have that luxury. That's, <laughs> that is awesome luxury to have. Now, now talking about getting the word out about uh, the, the work you do and, and kind of how giving people the opportunity to kind of see you, are you thinking YouTube? Are you thinking uh, uh, Instagram live? What are some other ways social wise that you're thinking about how to get to the, your work out there? Yeah. So I think Instagram is going to be a uh, super great LinkedIn. I think it's going to be really helpful for me as well. Again, based on the clients and the age group of people that I'm looking to work with, those are the platforms most of them are on. So I think uh, YouTube, I think is great. Um, it's a lot of work. I don't know if I personally have the motivation currently to keep up with what a YouTube channel would need to be successful. So I think sticking with Instagram and LinkedIn is probably going to be where I go first. Um, I just, I just know myself and I, you know, if I try to do too many things at once, something's going to suffer. So, you know, eventually maybe someday that would be a great idea, but not currently. Um, I yeah. currently, so even on Instagram, even on Instagram and LinkedIn, would you still not do video or will, so we oh, yeah. be more text and I, images or will you do video? Um, I'll do video. Yeah. Um, I've been playing with the idea of like a lesson a week, you know, something super short, two or three minutes. Like if you implement this in your week, you know, see improvements X, Y, Z, or, you know, I really like the idea of a lot of polling to get feedback, um, inviting people to, uh, Instagram bomb. It's a new thing that's out there where you just put out, you know, a recommendation like, hey, X, Y, Z, and then they jump on at a certain time with you and they can talk with you live and ask questions. So that's something that I've been thinking about trying as well. That is awesome. 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 So so how can people like right now you're not on social? How would be people be able to connect with you if they're looking for this type of work? So I have luckily gone out and grabbed social handles. So you will find me on Instagram. My name, my company is Lead Through, and that's where you can find me on on Instagram. I have Lead Through on uh, LinkedIn as well. So I am communicating um, with DMs and through messages. I just haven't put any public content out that way. And then they can always contact me via email as well. Um, so kinder.fringer at gmail is my uh, email that I'm currently using for that too. Now lead through. I love that. Tell me Thanks. about wait, we gotta talk about that. Like tell me how you came up with that. What does that what does that mean? What do you want people to hear when they hear lead through? Well, let me tell you, when you think about what is the hardest thing to do to start a company, figuring out a business name by far has been the hardest thing for me to do. Like I can feel like I can tackle everything else, but finding a name stumped me for like four months. Um, because Every public speaker, every leadership-based person has the word leader or leadership in their title somewhere. Um, so I just started thinking about like who I want to be, what do I want to do? And like it all went back to sort of back to the FFA and back to extension education and what do I want people to learn? And it all comes down to empowering other people every day to try to find something that makes themselves better and making the world a better place. Um, and so how do we do that? Well, we lead people through those activities and through those actions. Um, you know, if I teach you something, lead you through it one time, help you learn in the future, you're going to lead other people to do the same thing. Um, and so that's sort of where the, the title came from. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, 
great job. Uh, thank you for helping me lead through this conversation uh, today. <laughs> um, so people can find you Instagram, LinkedIn, lead through. Uh, you're currently, if people want want to u- utilize you for this type of work, you are up for doing that. Yeah. Still in the process of putting everything together. So, yeah, the goal is it within the next few months is to have all the legal side of stuff done, be registered, have a business name, grab a website, and you know, be on the up and up side of everything. Um, and so I'll be have more of a social presence then, but I'm totally open to conversations now and, and working with people, um, even though the website's not currently up and running. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, Kendra, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with Kendra and I today as we try to get a little bit of her story out through conversations. And again, this is our first podcast for The Exchange, and we want, we're looking forward to having many more and more uh, conversations with fabulous people. So, thank you all once again for hitting that play button. Thank you, Kendra. See ya. Bye-bye.